let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing joy to the earth the savior reigns let men their songs employ while fields and floods rock hills and plague repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Nothing compares 
we come around the table you know we got pastor whoever's speaking at the table pastor Matt um, gets all our names and all our dates and we know who's exactly on the table and obviously I'm on this morning and he reminds us to just keep it short because the speakers coming after us but this is what he said in it we have three songs of worship and then the table, and then another song, because the table is a part of our worship. And I just love that. I just love that, because this is a part of our worship. We've came this morning to worship our God. And I hope you can say that this morning with me and others in this place. I have come to worship my God. We have come to worship God. What a name. Powerful name. 
who has changed our lives from the inside out. And the work of the Holy Spirit is that he's molding us and making us become more like him. I tell you what, he's a big job on his hands when he took me on. But we're getting there. It's a process. And I just thank that you have and I have the Holy Spirit this morning. I just want to read some scripture this morning that I pray will encourage you. You know, when we read the, the Christmas story and about the birth of Christ, in the first chapter of Matthew, in verse 21, it says, and the angels have a, having a conversation with, with Joseph in his dream. Talking about Mary, she will give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. Tony, we've been just talking about the name of Jesus there. We've been singing about it, haven't we? Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. If you want to know what the reason for the season is at Christmas, that's the reason he came. To seek and to save the lost. Because God so loved the world. We can rhyme off so many verses, but that's what Christmas is all about. That he came to save his people from their sins. And I just think that's lovely as we come around the table this morning. Our Redeemer liveth. So if you love and serve the Lord this morning, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, please feel free to take of the, the emblems this morning. You should have found a wee container like that on your chair. If, you're not, if you haven't, put your hand up and we'll get you one. But everyone should have one. And we say this all the time. Why? Because there's always visitors in, and we love visitors in our church. And we bid you a very warm welcome this morning. It's lovely to have fellowship with you. And I just pray for the church and for you that you come and you have fellowship with him because he's one of our number and with each other. If you open up the first layer, it's the wafer. It's not the body of Christ. It just represents the body of Christ. And then we'll pray and we'll read some scripture and we'll take of the juice that represents the blood of Christ. As I said, if you love and serve the Lord, please feel free to take of it this morning. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the Hebrew word, the root word for Jesus is the Lord of salvation. Another word for salvation, the Lord saves. Another word is a redeemer, a deliverer. And that's why he came to redeem us, to deliver us, to set us free. That's what the name of Jesus means. If we look back on the original Hebrew. And that's why we're here, because we are saved. This would be a waste of time if God wasn't in this place. If there was no great plan of salvation, it would just be like another club. But we're saved. We're washed in the blood. We're part of God's family. And this morning, I just want to encourage you to take bread. To take of the cup. If you love and serve the Lord. You know, I don't know what your week has been, but Satan would rob you of this moment. Oh, you're not good enough. You've said this, you've done that, whatever. 
Scripture tells us to examine ourselves. I'm not going to examine you. You have to examine. I have a big enough job examining myself. I'm bringing my faults and failures before the Lord. But in the quietness of your own heart, as every head is bowed and our eyes are closed, and as Rebecca just plays a few keys there, because this is our worship, just you examine yourself, but don't miss this moment that God wants to spend with you by breaking bread and taking of the cup. Because Christ has made you worthy. He's made you worthy this morning. And Satan was saying, ah, you're not worthy. Who are you? We have an opportunity this morning to come around the table and to remember and to give thanks. Oh, hallelujah. What a beautiful name. Nothing compares to this. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, as we come to break bread and to take of the cup, to remember what you did for each and every one of us at the cross. Lord, forgive me when I've sinned and done wrong. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me afresh and new and wash me white as snow and help me by your Spirit to live for you. Thank you, Lord, this morning that you've made me worthy to break bread this morning. Oh, blessed be your name. Bless your church, Lord. Touch those who need a touch in body and soul and mind and spirit. Oh, Lord, that they wouldn't look within, but they would look up and look to you. Oh, Lord, we just come. We worship you this morning. We sing from our hearts this morning, Lord, because our hearts are filled with gratitude because of what you've done for us this morning, that we can forget about ourselves and concentrate on you this morning. We can forget about the week that's just went past and come into your presence this morning and concentrate on you. So that's what we're doing, Lord, as we sing, as we worship, as we lift up our praise, Lord, as we come around the table, Lord. We're casting our minds to Calvary. And you displayed your love on that cross, that you carried out the will of the Father that you laid down your life. It wasn't taking you, laid it down for each and every one of us this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Lord, to come into your presence this morning and to worship you. Lord, to come in and to break bread. To come in and sit at your feet and hear from your word. Oh, Lord. What a privileged people we are. We exalt you this morning, Lord. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, Lord, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, is the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he prayed and said, take, eat. 
This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Lord, we remember this morning. We give thanks this morning. And Lord, because of that, it just, your praise and your worship just wells up within us, Lord. How can we be silent, Lord, this morning, knowing what you have done for each and every one of us this morning at the cross? Lord, like the psalmist said, all that is within me, I praise his holy name. Oh, we exalt you as we break bread together, Lord. And Lord, as we, we, as we take it as a, Lord, as a group of your followers, Lord, disciples of Jesus Christ, Lord, bless every head by. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We exalt you in this place, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to come out this morning and to break bread. Lord, we think of those who are watching online who cannot make it this morning. We pray that your hand would be upon them. You would bless them. And Lord, we think of those who are not well and in hospital, Lord, that they too would know the presence and the peace and the power of Almighty God where they are at this moment, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had stopped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Church, let's together take of the cup. We exalt you, Lord, as we carry on with our worship. We praise you and we exalt you, Lord. Lord, let your anointing fall from heaven. Oh, raise every heart up in this place, Lord. That every single person, Lord, would leave this place different than the way they came in. And Father God, give us ears to hear and a heart to respond to your word. That your hand would be upon our brother Tim that you would speak for him, that you would speak through him. And Father God, that your word would change us forever. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, the song we're going to do here, um, some of it is new and some of it you'll recognize. So I encourage you to stand to your feet and we're going to worship together. This is Behold.
Behold, the King has come, divinity incarnate, creator of the world, breathing our air. Behold, what light has come, and the dark cannot contain it. The Savior of the world is finally here. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Come, let us adore Him. For he alone is worthy, Christ the Lord. Let us adore Him. 
Amen. Church, take your seats. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. You're most welcome. Unless you're French. There's any French people in there? Uh, I'm only joking. <laughs> Thank you for being here uh, today. It says, uh, just a few announcements before Tim comes and preaches uh, this morning. Don't forget our service tonight at 6.30. If you've got kids uh, here with you today, we run Kids Space, uh, the whole service, so you can uh, send your kids out to that. There's also a parent and baby room just out there, just to the left. Uh, after our service finishes today, there is a, a prayer ministry team. Uh, if you would like prayer this morning, then there'll be somebody out there in the foyer wearing a lanyard just says prayer team and they'll only be so glad to pray with you uh, today. Uh, this week is a busy week. If you are looking to volunteer and get involved in church stuff, this is the week. This is the week to get involved because uh, we have loads of stuff on this week. Tomorrow is the French Christmas uh, uh, dinner. They are heading up to Tully Glass. They are leaving at 12. Yep. I'm looking at Paula. Um, they're leaving at 12 o'clock tomorrow. Please make sure you're here on time. Uh, there's lots going, and it takes them a while to get on and off the bus, okay? So make sure you're here uh, tomorrow at 12 o'clock to go. <laughs> to go to, it's what Michael's not going, so that's how I'm going to go. So. Tomorrow, on Tuesday evening, um, it is the Maids of Honour uh, Christmas uh, event. Uh, I think there were just literally a couple of tickets left. I think there were 140 tickets uh, sold. So it's going to be a full night for the ladies. It starts at half seven. We'll be opening the doors at seven o'clock. There is a table plan. Uh, so ladies, make sure you fill that in. So you're sitting by, uh, make sure you're sitting by the people you like. And also that means sitting by the people you don't like then if you fill it in, okay? So, well then, we are looking for some help serving uh, the food, looking for some men to volunteer on Tuesday evening. The World Cup semi-final is on, but I found myself available. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, if you are a man and you are free on Tuesday night, uh, and you would like to come down and help us uh, serve the food and do uh, all the stuff that we usually do, please give me your name. Uh, I'll be at the door uh, and that. And then on Wednesday evening is the Man Up event, uh, and that's 7.30 as well and we're going to be serving the same food the only difference is we're looking for some of the ladies to volunteer to come down and help clear up and do all the stuff that needs to be done on Wednesday night if you could volunteer for that then please uh, see me at the door just give me your name uh, there so that, that's Tuesday and Wednesday on Thursday night is the kids winter wonderland uh, they, they use uh, what they do is a two-hour event using the car park and the church and they've got a farm coming and bouncy castles and uh, campfires and everything for the kids and stuff but we need volunteers uh, to put these events on lots of people always say to me I'd love to get involved this is your chance uh, to get involved if you can help 
because Rebecca is still looking for people uh, to help. Uh, could you give your name to Rebecca? You need to be available uh, for a couple of hours on Thursday night from 6 o'clock uh, till 8 o'clock. And then on Friday night, we're cooking the young people uh, Christmas dinner. Uh, so we're looking for some help there. Uh, if you would like to come down and help us in the evening with some washing up and getting the food ready for the young ones and stuff, because I think there's nearly 40 of them coming, so we're going to cook them dinner and stuff and, and, and that. And so we need some help, uh, otherwise I'll be doing it all by myself, and they'll be getting it on paper plates if they're lucky. They might just scoop it onto the table for them, so make it easy. <laughs> And stuff. So that's a youth. So if you need to know anything more, please get me at a glance. And if you can volunteer, I'm going to be at the door. So I'm just simply going to ask you all as you go past what you're volunteering for this week. <laughs> so if you don't want to volunteer for anything, go out that door. <laughs> Reese, make a name of anybody who goes out that door and we'll get them later. We're delighted this morning that Tim Bailey is going to come up and bring the word uh, for us today. Let's show our appreciation as Tim comes. And can I just clarify that for the Man Up event, it's the same type of food we'll be serving, not the same food. It's not the what. You really frightened me there. I thought, what the women leave? We'll be getting scraped on their plates. Amen. Do you want to reiterate what our pastor said? If you can't volunteer. Uh, please do and help us out at this busy time. Matthew chapter 2, please. Matthew's Gospel chapter 2. Familiar portion at this time of the year. Uh, I trust that its familiarity uh, will not dull any of the wonder of what we're about to read. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, please. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin to read this morning from verse 1. Now after Jesus, notice that after Jesus, after Jesus was born. So it's not that Mary was in labor and then these wise men were making their way. It was after he was born. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your providence in our lives that has led each of us from different circumstances to this place, to this assembly, to this time, to these moments, to this wonderful Savior. We just pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, that again you would open up our understanding, that you would give us insight and clarity, that you would help us, Lord, to behold in your word wonderful things. Lord, may we see in your word the most wonderful thing, the one of whom the scripture speaks, our Savior himself. So, Lord, bless every head, every home and family here represented today. And, Lord, may we leave this place knowing that we have been, for a few moments at least, in the presence of the living God. For it's in your lovely name we pray. Amen. Matthew, in his gospel, brothers and sisters, is presenting evidence, testimony that Jesus of Nazareth is actually the Messiah. The evidence, the testimony that he presents, it is not minimal. It's not like there are a few pieces of evidence. It's not like he brings before us one or two witnesses to the uniqueness of this person. It's not like you have a genealogy in chapter 1, and then you've got like a story of a virgin conception, and then after that what follows is just another ordinary kind of life. And we're asked to believe that this ordinary man is the Messiah, based upon a, a genealogy and some rumors concerning his conception. It's actually not like that at all. Instead, when you read Matthew's gospel, indeed, uh, when you read all the gospels, what you find is following his birth in Jesus of Nazareth, you meet with the most unique person that the world has ever seen. In fact, the most unique person that the world will ever see and the most incredible life that the world has ever witnessed. The testimony, brothers and sisters, that he is the Son of God, the witnesses to that fact, they are not small. It is actually overwhelming. Matthew brings witness after witness, evidence after evidence. And it's almost as like, you know, when he brings one piece of evidence, there is within that one piece a whole host of other evidences. When he brings to us one witness, there is in that single witness a whole host of other witnesses. And it's important that we remember that because when Matthew is doing this, brothers and sisters, he's actually writing his account during a time when people could actually check the facts of his story. The events that he's writing about took place recently enough that there were still many who were alive. Still many who were around. 
And Matthew, he would have been embarrassed if factual errors had have existed. And they could have looked at his gospel, they could have seen what he had written and said, Hey Matthew, wait a minute, I was there. It's not like that at all. That's actually not how it happened. They could, if you like, fact check what he had written. If Matthew is trying to sell a myth, there were scores of people alive who could contend with him about what he had written. What Matthew records, brothers and sisters, in his gospel is so unusual. It is so unforgettable. It is so undeniable that the only way to avoid the evidence is stubborn unbelief. Stubborn unbelief. And sadly, as you know, brothers and sisters, this is what characterizes men and women who are lost today. Men and women who are without God, without Christ. And therefore, as Ephesians says, without hope in the world. Stubborn unbelief. Blindness. And actually a kind of blindness that men and women are responsible for. Because it's their own sin that explains the blindness. What we've read this morning in Matthew chapter 2 records one event. The visit of the wise men. And yet, brothers and sisters, in this one event, God has worked in such a way that in these few verses, we have at least five witnesses. Five witnesses to the identity of this child. And isn't that the question that still permeates right to this very morning? Who is this child? Our Christmas carols capture it many times. So beautifully, what child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch their keeping? Or who is this in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? And then the course, tis the Lord, the King of glory. Who is this child? And as I said in chapter 2, we have five witnesses to the uniqueness of this child. And when I began this message, I had five witnesses. You'll be pleased to know I've had to hammer it down to two. Two witnesses. Two main witnesses to the uniqueness of this child. There was, of course, the witness in the heavens. And then secondly and finally, the witness of the wise men. If you want and you're taking notes, I had the witness of Jerusalem, the witness in Bethlehem, and the witness in terms of the warning that was given to the wise men at the end of our reading. The witness in the heavens, the witness of the wise men, the witness in Bethlehem, the witness in Judea and Jerusalem, and of course the witness of the warning. But just for our time this morning, the witness in the heavens, you'll see it there in verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and therefore we have come to worship him. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. 
a witness in the heavens. There is a continual witness throughout this whole event. It is the presence of this unusual sight in the sky. This, brothers and sisters, was a miraculous phenomenon provided by God for a specific context involving these wise men. This was a miraculous phenomenon provided by God in a specific context for these wise men. Do not, brothers and sisters, get distracted by the star. The Bible again and again and again, it baffles our curiosity about how certain things happened or in what way they took place. The star appeared after he was born. They saw it rise. They saw this and because they saw this, they then made their way from the east to Jerusalem. It doesn't say the star led them to Jerusalem. It doesn't say the star went before them from the east to Jerusalem. And then five miles south of Jerusalem was Bethlehem. And it stood over where the child was. I know what's been written about this star. It could have been a comet. Bullinger in his book, The Witness of the Stars. And it's a good book. It could have been a comet. It could have been planets coming together. Listen, brothers and sisters, the star is not the point. Do you hear me? I haven't got a clue how this star worked. No idea. So don't ask me at the door. Don't know. Don't know what it was. I mean, they came and they saw it stand over the place where the young child was five miles away. These wise men weren't stupid. I mean, you can see five miles. I stand out in the back garden and look up at the stars in Green Island. It's millions and millions of miles. Five miles a star. Do not get distracted by the star. And I know for some people that is actually infuriating because you immediately want to know about the star. And I have seen this, brothers and sisters, again and again and again in the church. It's a mentality. It's a mentality that some people have. And it's a mentality for the marginal. It's a mentality for things that don't really matter. And if you get close to them at all, they're going to tell you about some article they've seen, some book they've read, some leaflet they've got, some video they've seen on YouTube about some ridiculous marginal issue. Did Adam have a belly button? Don't know. <laughs> Where did Cain get his wife? Don't know. How did Noah fit all the animals into the ark? Don't know. How did the sun stop in the sky in the book of Joshua and everybody not fall off? Having a clue. How can a man live inside a fish? Don't know. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Tim, was it a vision or was it real? Don't know. And they're a nuisance. They're a nuisance at life groups. Not our life group. We're all well behaved. Because I just say, don't know. What do you know? Very little. About marginal issues. But they're a nuisance at life groups. Nuisance in Bible study groups. A nuisance in question answer sessions. Sometimes a nuisance at the door. 
you know, beloved, I know we're laughing, but there's a serious side to this. I mean, the last one I had was a run-in with our postman in Green Island. And if he's watching, I'm not saying anything publicly, I didn't say to his face. He asked me what I thought about King Charles. I said, don't know. Need to give him time. Need to give him time. Do you know he's there to prepare the way for the Antichrist? I said, is he? Didn't know that. Didn't know that. Hadn't a clue. There is a serious side to that, brothers and sisters, because it's sad. As I've told you, I've met folks like that, and they seldom have a capacity for deep joy. Deep joy. Deep joy in central truths. The great themes that run all the way through the scriptures, from Genesis right through Revelation. Great themes like the holiness and the glory of God. The wonder and the person of Jesus Christ. The ugliness of sin. The beauty of Christ on the cross as a substitute for the sins of his people. The wonder of justification by faith alone. The greatness and the blessed hope that burns within our hearts with regard to his second coming. Eternal joy at God's right hand. You talk to them about any of those things and they're as dumb as a mute. There's nothing to say. Let's just go back to the margins. Let's just talk about Adam's belly button or, or Jonah and the whale or the star. How can the star move from north to south? I mean, Jerusalem was north, Bethlehem was south. Stars normally go east to west. I don't know. And it's sad. Something's wrong there. And if you're prone to that, I mean, some of you and I are going to go out and find out how King Charles is paving the way for the Antichrist. If you find out, let me know, will you? In fact, don't let me know, don't care. <laughs> don't care, having time. 53, there's only a certain amount of time left. There's only a certain amount of books to read and videos to watch, and that's not one of them. You watch it if you want. If you're prone to that, can I encourage you to meditate often on God? To dwell often on the person and the work of Christ as he's revealed in the Gospels. The point, brothers and sisters, of this heavenly witness, whatever it was, the point of this heavenly witness, this spectacular phenomenon in the skies, the point of that is simply this. This wasn't happening of its own accord. God was doing this. And the reason, brothers and sisters, he was doing this was to bring these men from the east on their faces before Jesus Christ. That's the point. The witness in the heavens. And secondly, and I'm delighted to say finally, the witness and the worship of the wise men. Matthew in his gospel does not record the shepherds coming to the stable. Luke deals with that, not Matthew. Matthew records Gentiles, foreigners, pagans, astronomers, with maybe a wee touch of astrology thrown in as well. Matthew records these fellas from the east coming to the house. The shepherds don't appear in Matthew's account. The wise men don't appear in Luke's account. 
And as these writers, brothers and sisters, were selecting from all of the different things that they could have said. And remember, John tells us that the world could not contain the books that should have been written about Jesus Christ. Not everything that he did is contained within the four Gospels because there simply was not enough space. And so these Gospel writers were selecting, selecting different things from his life to tell their readers. And of all the different things they could have said, we have to wonder why Matthew, as he writes his Gospel, has these Gentile, foreign, pagan astronomers prostrate on the ground before this baby king. Verse 1 tells us in chapter 2, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Born king, not like Herod, who was a maniac on the throne. That's why all Jerusalem was troubled because this man was crazy to say the least. And when Herod was troubled, Jerusalem was troubled. The Jews said it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. He murdered his children, murdered some of his wives, his favorite wife, Mariam. He was so obsessive about her that if he died when he was traveling, she was to be immediately killed. A few days before his death, he had all the nobles in Jerusalem rounded up. And the moment he died, they were to be executed because he knew people wouldn't mourn for him, but he wanted Jerusalem in mourning. This man was a maniac. So when Herod was troubled, Jerusalem was troubled. And they came looking for someone who was born king. This man was not born king. He was an Idumean. It was given to him by the Roman Senate. He'd been on the throne some 30 years or so by the time Christ was born. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? By the way, brothers and sisters, that title, king of the Jews, in and of itself was no big thing. I mean, Herod was known as king of the Jews. I mean, there's a few kids now probably living in the United Kingdom and they're wee totes, they're wee toddlers, you know, and, and, and they're waiting for the arrival of Santa. And as time passes, those kids are going to grow up and become future prime ministers, you know, future leaders of the nation. But nobody from the East is coming in. Nobody's going around the maternity wards or the nursery schools looking for these kids in order to pay them homage. And these men, brothers and sisters, wise men, strangely enough, were not sick. They were wise. They were not interested in worshipping Herod, a Herod as king of the Jews, or in any other infant who would one day grow up to become king of the Jews. Verse 4 actually gives us an insight as to what was going on in the minds of these wise men when they set out to find the king of the Jews. Look at it there in verse 4. Herod assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people inquired of them where Christ, where Messiah was to be born. Because of this heavenly witness and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, they knew that Messiah, Christ, had been born in or around Jerusalem. And that's what they conveyed to Herod. Not just a king of the Jews, 
but the king to end all kings. The king who would bring to an end the reign of every other king or queen who ever sat on every other throne. He is the one who was the stone kingdom that Daniel saw that fell from heaven and smote the feet of the image that represented all other earthly kingdoms and it grew and it filled the whole earth. Here is the king who would end all kings. When Messiah came, everything as regards Jewish expectation was absolutely changed. Maybe these wise men, they reminded Herod of Balaam's prophecy in Numbers 24 and 17, when Balaam said, I shall see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall arise out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And Herod, remember, he only asked the where question of the scribes and the chief priests. He asked, where is he to be born? And they opened up their Bibles and they quoted Micah 5 and 2. And you, Bethlehem, you're not least among all the princes of Judah. The King James has it, for out of you shall come a governor who will rule my people Israel. That's the where question. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. If Herod had have asked the who question, then they could have read on in Micah chapter 5, whose goings forth have been from of old, from ancient days. And verse 4 of Micah 5 ends, he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This is no king of the Jews only. This is Messiah, whose goings forth have been from of old, from days of eternity. But he didn't want to know the who question. He only wanted to know the where question. Where is it he be born? They told him in Bethlehem. Listen, brothers and sisters, as you know, this Messiah did not begin in the womb of Mary. His origin is from old, from eternal days. He's great to the ends of the earth. That is so much more than being king of the Jews. That is so much more than some little tribal deity. I don't know how much theology these wise men from the East had. But one thing they knew was this. This was not just another little baby boy. And Matthew has these men from the East right at the beginning of his gospel, on their faces on the ground before this Christ. And after their long journey, they're falling down in worship before Jesus. Can I say, brothers and sisters, as we draw our thoughts to a close, that that's incidentally the whole purpose of God from all of eternity, is it not? It is to bring men and women on their faces before this Jesus Christ, before his beloved Son, that they might then know him as a Lord, as a Savior, and as a friend. I mean, all through the Gospels, you can read of those whose journey to the Lord Jesus Christ had been nothing other than life-changing. The Lord Jesus had said that. He said, God the Father is seeking worshippers. And he's seeking worshippers not because he is like an old woman who craves praise. 
He is seeking worshipers because that is the best that he can do for you. Because you and I were created to worship God and enjoy him forever. And if we engage in anything else in all of life, it is insufficient. And so the best that God can do for you is to bring you to a place where for your eternal joy and everlasting happiness, you are engaged in the worship of the one for whom you were created. God the Father is seeking worshippers and God is willing and God is able to use all kinds of circumstances and signs and situations to move upon those upon whom he has set his love in order to bring them finally to Jesus Christ. I mean, even in this incident that we've read in Matthew chapter 2, what you have there is God accommodating himself God accommodating himself to these men in their scientific quest, in their interest in astronomy and the stars and prophecies. Maybe they were influenced by the prophecies of Daniel. Who knows? But God accommodates himself to these men in their quest. And at the same time, in their limited understanding. And we can all testify to that, can't we? That when a journey to Jesus Christ begins... It may, may, it may well begin far away from the person of Jesus himself. For these wise men have begun with a star, a sign in the heavens. Some 800 miles or so away from Bethlehem. But for someone else it might have begun with an unexpected diagnosis. For someone else it might have begun with a blood test that came back and you thought it would be clear but it wasn't clear. For someone else, a journey to Jesus might have begun with a phone call. For someone else, a journey to Jesus. It just began in a way that you didn't expect. I had a friend who told me, as he made his way to the A&E there, just in the mirror, he knew that as he pushed that button there at the Pelican Crossing, to cross, to admit himself, and to present himself, sorry, to the A&E, he told me, Sitting on the end of his bed, he said, Tim, I knew when I pushed that button, that the pushing of that button would change my life and my relationship with Jesus Christ forever. And it did. Journey to Jesus. Thomas was never the same again. It might have begun with a dream, an ambition that you held. Something that you pursued for a long time. And you pursued it. And you achieved it. And you held your dream in your hand. And once you held it in your hand, it was like a bubble. It was a big, shiny ball of nothing. And you realized the futility of it all. The insufficiency of anything in this world to satisfy the deep cries in your heart. And in that moment, as you looked at that big, shiny ball of nothing that you'd been pursuing all your life, you realized, you know what? There must be more to life than this. God creates all kinds of things, all kinds of circumstances to put within the hearts of men and women and young people and boys and girls a compulsion to seek after Jesus Christ. Paul said that in Acts chapter 17 when he spoke to the intelligentsia there in Athens. He said, he said, God put men and women in the places where he put them. What for? In order that they should seek God in the hope that they might find him. 
and feel their way toward him. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Feel their way toward him. And Paul said, and yet God is not actually that far from any one of us. Acts 17 and 27. In their seeking, they find themselves before Herod. That's verses 7 and 8, brothers and sisters. Notice that Herod summoned the wise men secretly. Notice that, ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. Fellas, when did you see this? When did you set out on this journey? A few months ago? A year and a half ago? When did you see it? He sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go, verse 8, search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. It's not the heart of my message this morning, brothers and sisters, but just notice in passing, Herod's purpose was not to worship him. He said it was to worship lies. Lar. Spoofer. Waffler. Lies. Can men lie about religious things? You better believe it. Can men say worship when they actually mean destroy? Yes. Let's notice finally verses 9 to 11, their act of worship. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And here's the star again. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered to him gold and frankincense and myrrh. They left the palace, a place that spoke of might and power and grandeur and strength. And seeing the star rest over the place where the child was, verse 9. Verse 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him from a palace, a place of power and might and strength, to a house, a humble home that spoke of maybe poverty, that spoke of just ordinariness. Time had obviously passed, brothers and sisters. Mary and Joseph and the child had moved from the manger to a house. It seemed that this baby had already been taken to Jerusalem in Luke chapter 2. As I say, Jerusalem was only five miles away. So they took him to Jerusalem to be circumcised. And that was done after the law, which was the eighth day. That's when you have the story of Simeon and Anna. And he took the wee baby in his arms. and All that beautiful prayer. So... They'd taken them from the manger to the house, from there to Jerusalem, and back again to the house they had upgraded. And so Jesus is no longer, it would seem, a newborn. If the commentators are right, he's around 20, 22 months, almost two years of age by the time the wise men appear. Sorry to destroy your Christmas card, Christmas that you had, you know. That's, that's Hallmark, that's not the Bible. You know, they all came together, shepherds were there at nine. Now the wise men came at 10. They weren't all there together. Sorry about that. A few nativity plays this week, that'll sort of change them a wee bit maybe. But, but if the commentators are to be believed, he was around 22 months. 
Again, remember, brothers and sisters, if ever we're thinking about the person of Jesus Christ as he's presented to us in the Gospels, we need to be careful not to lean one way or another. What I mean by that is, you know, we can't really conceive of Jesus Christ being God. Or we can't really conceive of Jesus Christ being fully fully human. He was fully God and he was fully man. He didn't appear to be God. He didn't appear to be man. He was fully man, fully God. Fully God, fully man. And if he was fully man, then he was fully young man. And if he was fully young man, then he was fully a teenager. And if he was fully a teenager, then he was fully a wee boy. And if he was fully a wee boy, then he was fully a toddler. I mean, can you picture this? Sweet clothes. A wee boy. Maybe just approaching two. There's no throne here. There's no angels here. There's no halo over his head or glow from his face. There's a wee boy. Like a wee boy was running about there. A wee boy. Just a toddler. There was nothing to suggest that here is the king of all the kings. Here is the Lord of all the lords. Here is the second person of the Trinity incarnate. Here is the one who will reign from David's throne forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. There he is. In fact, brothers and sisters, the reverse was the case. Is it any wonder that Lenski said, their hearts must have beheld what their eyes couldn't see. Their hearts must have beheld what their eyes couldn't see. Because what they saw was a wee boy with his mum. And yet, brothers and sisters, their dramatic response is to prostrate themselves and worship before him in what was surely a spontaneous and unrestrained reaction when they saw him. They, they feel something or, or other of another world and they can't help it. They can't stop it. They worship. I mean, in verse 10, when they saw the star, look at how that's described. They saw the star. They rejoiced. Doesn't say that. They rejoiced exceedingly. It doesn't say that. They rejoiced exceedingly greatly. It doesn't say that. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. If that's what happened when they saw the blooming star, imagine the joy when they saw him. Have you not felt something of this, brothers and sisters, in your own life? Just a little taste of it. You sensed that he was close and you couldn't help it. I've told you before, I remember distinctly standing in Marks and Spencer's spruce field. I'd called in to get grapes for a lady in the Bluestone unit in Craig Avenue. I was going to see her and she was a mess. If any of you know the Bluestone unit, it's not a good place. And she was there and I thought I will bring her grapes. And I was standing waiting to pay for the grapes. And I began to sing to myself, my soul is now united to Christ the living vine. His grace I long have slighted, but now I know he's mine. 
I was to God a stranger till Jesus took me in. He freed my soul from danger and pardoned all my sin. And I felt his presence so strongly, I thought I'm going to burst into tears. And people will think I am an idiot standing here. And I had to stop. I actually had to stop and think about something else and look at the beautiful people on the magazines or something and try and get a hold of myself because I was so conscious of his presence. I said, Lord, will you stop this? And it's like, you know, when you pick up your kids, your kids know that you love them. But, you know, when you pick them up and you give them a big hug, Emily was in our bed this morning and I came in and she's under the covers and I said, oh, the hug monster's coming to get you. You give them a big hug, and they know they're loved every day. But oh, it was like the Lord came and just in Spruceville, he gave me a big hug. They said, Lord, stop, I'm going to burst here. Imagine these men. My heart that day beheld what my eyes couldn't see. It's no wonder we sing, open the eyes of our hearts. Look at how their worship is described, brothers and sisters. By the way, there's no time there, am I all right? Well, I'm nearly done, so if it's short, we're nearly done. If it's long, apologies. <laughs> we are first my last page. Hello, that means nothing. <laughs> Look at how their worship is described. Look at it there, brothers and sisters. Look at it. They saw, they fell, they worshipped, they opened, they offered. Do you want a definition of worship? There it is. They saw, they fell, they worshipped, they opened, they offered. You don't do it all the time, but it's lovely. A young man, not so young, maybe he'll remain nameless amongst us. And one Sunday morning in worship, you didn't see it because of where you were sitting, but I was near the front and I saw him fall to his knees and it was lovely. It was lovely. It wasn't done for anybody. It wasn't done for anybody to see. It was between him and his saviour. It's lovely. It fell on their knees. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah 60. Happening here in a house in Bethlehem. The nation shall come to your light. The king shall come to the brightness of your rising. They shall come. They shall bring the wealth of all the nations shall come to you. They shall bring praises of the Lord, gold and frankincense. I mean, can you imagine, brothers and sisters, the scene before this wee boy? Jesus thanked the men for the gifts. Thank you. Mommy, who were those men? I thought it was funny they were laying on the ground. Why were they laying on the ground, Mom? Oh, son. On the ground to worship. They opened their gifts, being warned in a dream not to return to her, and they went home another way and that's it there's so much you'd like to ask these men isn't there you know I have no doubt they said to Mary and Joseph what'd you call him what's his name we didn't name him Joseph would have said you saw a star I had an angel tell me I am to call him Yeshua he is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. As Stevie said, Jehovah, our Savior. 
We gave him the name Jesus because he would actually save his people from their sins. The wise men, were they wise enough to be saved from their sins? I would like to think so. I would like to say, fellas, you came here with the treasures of earth in your hand. Did you leave with the treasure of heaven in your heart? You've come here this morning, brothers and sisters. We're delighted to see you. If you're a visitor, you're more than welcome. Will you leave here with the treasure of heaven in your heart? The wise men brought their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh, and that's a whole other sermon. They came with the treasures of earth in their hands. Fellas, did you leave with the treasure of heaven in your heart? That's the thing. What about you this morning? When you walk out that door, what are you walking out with? Will you walk out with the treasure of heaven in your heart? One of my favorite verses is Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18. Actually, when I was looking after Zion, they had a free notice board. And I said, well, stick this verse up right outside the church. I don't know if it's still there. But the verse is this, Isaiah 30 verse 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. And blessed are all those who wait for him. Thank you for your attention. May the Lord bless his word again to each and every one of our hearts. I'm going to pray while the worship team come up and prepare to lead us in a final song of praise. Amen. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity that is ours to consider this wonderful story of our Savior Jesus. We commit again to the word of your grace this congregation. The many friends and family members that are here. Again, Lord, as has already been prayed, people watching online, people unable to be here due to sickness or ailments. And we just pray, Lord, that you would grant to them their portion. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us that the treasure of heaven in our heart, that it might grow and expand, that we might become all that you've called us to be in this corner of your harvest field. Thank you for our Savior, Jesus. We worship your Son. We love your Son. And help us as we conclude to stand and give him the praise that he deserves. For we ask it in his lovely name. Amen. 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 Church, we'll invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a final song together. Praise you, God. Rumors of the Son of Man The stories of a Savior Holiness with human hands Treasure for the traitor No ear it heard, no eye it seen The image of the Father Until heaven came to live with me
Let's just close in prayer, church. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for the treasure of heaven. Thank you for divinity incarnate. God, thank you for a baby born a savior. Lord, thank you for the treasure that we have in our hearts. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant who ministers it to us. God, I pray that you would part us with your blessing and your word on our minds and on our hearts until we meet again, Lord. It's in your son's holy and precious name we give thanks.